You're listening to the Weekend Sport Podcast with Jason Pine from Newstalk ZB. As I mentioned, great news for rugby and rugby league fans this week. Rugby fans will see 19 Super Rugby Pacific matches free to air this season, kicking off with the Highlanders against Moana Pacifica on the night of Saturday, February 24. And Friday night footy will see 25 NRL games shown free on Sky Open. Seven of those are Warriors matches. So an NRL game every Friday night and a Super Rugby game every Saturday night on Sky Open. That's the free-to-air Sky Channel right across 2024. Let's bring in Super Rugby Pacific Chair Kevin Malloy. Kevin, thanks for taking the time for a chat this afternoon. How big a part of your fan engagement strategy is free-to-air rugby? Um, hey, look, it's quite significant, actually. Um, I think being able to make Super Rugby available to as many fans as possible can only be good for the competition and actually for fans as well. So it's quite a significant part of what we're trying to do going forward. How do you balance that against the fact that broadcast revenue is a major part of your revenue? Yeah, well, look, I think we, we appreciate that um, that that Sky is in a somewhat difficult position with this and that there is a balance for this, but... I think if you look at the current situation and the need to be bringing um, sports like rugby to, to a greater fan base, I think it's important to work out a balance. And what they're doing now in, in, in this current season, I don't think it's going to cannibalise subscribers, frankly. It's only one game a week. And they have got other other sort of major sports that are on their station that is that are still going to you know be appealing to their fan base and subscribers, frankly. So do you get the feeling that broadcasters like Sky Sport are beginning to be more open to the idea of a free-to-air element in their broadcast deals? Yeah, I think they are. I think, you know, a number of things are happening. I think, you know, with with what's happened with cricket um, and um, I think the really positive effects of free-to-air on cricket and and what it's doing for that sport. And I think in understanding that uh, um, broaden the base of these sports as well, that keeping them behind a paywall, as we have done for the last, you know, 20-odd years, frankly, um, you're actually, ultimately, the, the audiences are shrinking. So there has to be a change of strategy, and I think free-to-wear is going to be an important part of the mix going forward. Would you take less money from a broadcaster if it meant more free-to-wear rugby? Yeah, good question. Um, I, look, I, I think um, if I put, if, and I'm just talking, you know, from my own perspective here, as opposed to anything that we've actually discussed in any sort of formal way. But I think the answer to that for me would be yes. Um, I think we've got to work to broaden this fan base, um, and also on the back of what you do, bringing free to air. You, you you broaden the eyeballs, you broaden the audience, and that in itself, you know, that increases your commercial opportunities. So there is a little bit of a balance commercially to it as well. Whether or not those commercial opportunities fully replace what you might lose in terms of a broadcast deal with, with full exclusivity behind a paywall, I, I don't know. But I still think for the betterment of the sport going forward, free-to-wear is going to be really important. Yeah, it's a very similar answer to that I got from Scott Weenink, the uh, Chief Executive of uh, New Zealand Cricket. I asked him exactly the same question. He gave me almost an yep. identical answer, that broadening the fan base is important. I know it makes for some interesting discussions to be had between you know the commercial arm and the, and the promotional arm of a business, but they kind of have to be had, these conversations, don't they? Yeah, they really do. And you're right, it's a really fine balance, but it's a really important strategic discussion to have. 
You know, I, I just think we can't be in a world where um, we're shrinking the available audience that can watch, you know, our major sports like rugby. So, look, fair play to Sky and how they've approached this. Um, as I say, I don't think it's going to cannibalise their subscriber base, but for us in Super Rugby, it's a really important way for us to ensure that we're, we're taking a slightly different approach in how we reach our fan base. What are the other key things you've identified in the quest for engaging or re-engaging fans in Super Rugby? Yeah, look, we, we had our first formal um, board meeting in December and we've got another one coming up in March. And one of the things that we did talk about is that there's, a, you know, there's a number of things that we can do to make this competition more appealing to, to fans. We've got to be careful that we don't try and boil the ocean and do too many things, but identify you know, a number of key things that are really going to be um, quite tangible in the effects that they're going to have on our fans. And, and so the sort of things we're discussing at the moment are around really important issues like, like what we're calling the shape of the game, um, which is officiating. And, uh, you, you know, last season we made a number of really positive moves, I think, around things like shot clocks and, and pace and speed of the game, which, which we're going to make sure that we enforce across the full season because I think that dropped off a little bit last year. But, but that's a really positive move in terms of quickening the game and opening the game. Um, we're having conversations now around the TMO involvement or lack of it to make sure that that's restricted so we're not frustrating fans with the TMOs constantly in, involved in the game and we're taking the officiating power away from the guy in the middle. So I think that's quite important as well. And it's a couple of rule changes that we're looking at in terms of offsides as well, just to make sure, again, that the game is, is open. And um, I've got to say that the conversations we've been having with the, the top officials, you know, the Chris Pollocks and and um, Mitch and, and Mike Anthony, they are very open and very keen to be working with us to make sure that this game's as appealing as possible. See, this is excellent news. Excellent, excellent news. I can tell our listeners are, are nodding their heads in agreement here, Kevin, about ball and play, speeding it up, less TMO invent, uh, intervention, rather. Are you able to bring in those innovations to Super Rugby, even though they might not be, uh, you know, in force in international rugby, for example? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we've already taken the innovation, as I think everybody's aware of the red card, um, you know, the 20-minute red card. So there's conversations ongoing with World Rugby around what we'd like to do with Super Rugby. We obviously involve them in the conversations, and they are happy for us to be, if you like, a, a little bit of an experimental base for some of these rule changes and innovations. So... Um, yes, I mean, the simple answer is we can make tweaks to the law for Super Rugby that aren't necessarily completely in line with World Rugby. Do you think you've got a good product in Super Rugby? Absolutely. Um, look, I think, you know, everybody acknowledges the fact that that would be um, better if the Australian teams are more competitive, and ideally that will happen. Um, but I think, look, the competition last season, and um, we had some really cracking games. And I think looking at this season, looking ahead at this season, I, I think we're going to have a number of really cracking games again. A big success story for us has been the draw. And, you know, going up there to Fiji, I think they only lost to the Blues. They only lost one game up there. And they're creating a real fortress up there. So that sort of, you know, competitive element to the competition is really important. Have you got the right number of teams? I think at the moment... Um, <laughs> Um, I think what you might be alluding to, and I don't mind front-footing it, is the conversations around the Rebels. And um, 
yes, we have got the right number of teams at the moment for 12, you know, and we will have 12 for for um, for this season. Where we go from there is still a, a bit of an ongoing conversation, to be frank. So, um, you know, we're always looking at the structure of the competition and, again, trying to put a, a lens on this. Is, so what's going to appeal, appeal mostly to our fans? Can we make a decision that is going to make this competition as appealing as possible. And so, you know, a lot of our conversations and a lot of our future conversations and board meetings at a strategic level will be around that. So how do we make this competition world-class and how do we make sure that the fans are engaged as best as possible? What is your latest understanding about the ongoing health of the Melbourne Rebels? Um, Rugby Australia is definitely stepping in for this current season, so there'll be no change for this season. as I say, we've got a couple of board meetings coming up and I think it's going to be an ongoing conversation. I, I don't know at this stage what the future looks like beyond this season for the Rebels, but it's certainly going to be pretty high on our agenda going forward just to understand what their health is. And the appointment of a CEO for Super Rugby Pacific, I know that search was uh, was undertaken uh, or, or the, the beginnings of it before Christmas. Uh, any, any timeline on when that person might be in place? Sure. Look, we we, um, closed off the applications at the end of January. Um, We've had just under 300 applications. Um, So it has sort of set us back a little bit in a good way. Um, We've got a recruitment agency involved and they are now working their way through, I I think, um, a significantly higher number of applications than we're expecting. We've got a meeting next week to talk about the long list. Um, we'll then work our way down to a short list which we'll get in front of the board and it's hard to set a timeline at this stage because um, not only do we have to work our way through a longer long list than we're expecting and get to a short list but you know a successful candidate may or may not be in a job and that that could involve them having to give you know three or six months notice so it's hard to really stipulate when we can get somebody in place. And just to circle back to uh, to the fan, just to finish, Kevin, uh, you said back in December, we're listening, we're prepared to make whatever tweaks and changes we require to make your experience better and to engage with you better. You're still keen to have the fan right in the middle of your discussions? Absolutely. I mean, the whole remit for this new Super Rugby board is to actually look at the competition through a fan's lens. And I think that, uh, that we're starting to do some some things that are more tangible, you know, the, the free-to-air game on Saturday, how we're looking at officiating and shape of the game, pace of the game going forward, how we're going to be marketing the game. Um, there's, there's a number of things that, I, that I'd like to think that we'll be able to show fans that we're genuine about our commitment to be more fan-centric. Kevin, it's been great to get the chance to chat to you and get such a uh, comprehensive update from you. Thank you for taking the time this afternoon. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for the chat. No, thank you, Kevin. Kevin Malloy. He's the uh, chair of Super Rugby Pacific. First chance I've had uh, to chat to Kevin Malloy on the show. Enjoyed that. Quite a bit to come out of it, which I know you want to comment on or react to. 0800 80 1080. Keen for your thoughts on a couple of things in particular. The free-to-air component. Massively important. It feels to me like we might be circling back to the good old days of free-to-air sport. Not all the way, of course. We're not going to go all the way back. We've come too far for that. And broadcast revenue is too important to professional teams, to leagues, to organisations. But there is a clear understanding now, a clear understanding, that in an attention economy, you have to spread the net wider than just those who can afford Sky Sport. But what is the right balance to strike? How do you ensure that you keep the broadcaster happy and reach as many eyeballs as possible? 
Seems like a pretty good first step to me, this game every Saturday night for Super Rugby and a game every Friday night in the NRL. The explosion in popularity of cricket here in the last few months can be put down in huge part to the accessibility of our domestic and international competitions. And I know that came about through unforeseen circumstances rather than by design with the demise of Spark Sport. But what it's done is given us a really, really stark illustration of how important free-to-wear is. Sporting bodies have to widen their view. And accept, as Kevin Malloy just said, and Scott Wenink said on the show a few weeks back, that they need to be on free-to-wear. And if that means taking less money from the broadcasters, then so be it. They just have to make that money in other ways. And it's timely too, because broadcasters are tightening their belts. And they're not as willing to splash the cash as much as they used to. We'll never go full circle. As I say, we'll never get back to the pre-Sky Sport days. I simply can't see a time, for example, when All Blacks tests are on free-to-air, apart from at World Cups. That is a bridge too far. But Super Rugby, a game a week. NRL, a game a week. International cricket as it is now. And when that deal gets renegotiated, probably with the likes of Sky, there has to be a free-to-air element. Netball. They have to look at it. They all have to. They have to be willing to take less money to get more exposure. For more from Weekend Sport with Jason Pine, listen live to News Talk ZB weekends from midday or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.